Today on Moody Presents with Mark Job, we'll discover the characteristics of God's love in your life as you live to be more like Jesus. There are signs that you are living in the love of God, and if you're not living in the love of God, how many of you know that God could love you, but sometimes you don't walk in the experience of His love? It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It means that you're not accepting or receiving that incredible love that God has for you. Welcome to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job, President of Moody Bible Institute and Senior Pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. You know, there is nothing more transforming in a person's life than when they realize that they need to start living in the power of God's love. We are deep into our contrast series, looking at how you and I can live differently from the world while being ready to share the love of Jesus Christ. We're really glad that you've joined us. It is our prayer that this program is just one way in which you kind of feast on God's Word. There's so much there, right? We are back in 1 John, but now we're moving on to chapter 3, where the Apostle John speaks of love in a very personal way, a way that should encourage all of us today to be growing and changing, to be more like Jesus. Here's Pastor Mark. John says, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. For we shall see Him as He is. Everyone who has this hope in Him purifies himself just as he is pure. The theme of John chapter 3 is the love of God. And I believe what John is presenting to us is he's telling us when you've truly powerfully experienced God's love, then there are four characteristics that will be evident in your life. When you experience the power of God's love, there's nothing like the power of God's love. Oh, His sovereignty is great. His omniscience is tremendous. His omnipotence, which has to do with His power, is astounding. His eternality is hard to comprehend that God has had no beginning and will have no end that there was never a point in time where God started because He has always been. Well, that will boggle your mind as you try to go back and think through what that means. And although these characteristics about God are compelling, there is nothing that is as life-transforming as when you begin to grasp that the God of the universe that has always been and will always be, that knows all things and has all power and is sovereign, that this incredible God of the universe has chosen to make you an object of His incredible love. That the God of the universe has not only chosen to make us a creation, But that those that have received the message of Jesus and embraced it, we are not only God's creation, but we have actually been called and come into the place of being God's children. 
I've been in ministry for many years now. I've seen people struggle with a lot of things in life. I've seen people come from really dysfunctional, broken, dark backgrounds. Some of the stories that I've heard of how people were raised and what happened in their household and what's been happened to them would just make your skin crawl. And I thought to myself sometimes, God, how is this person ever, oh God, how will they ever be normal? How will they ever be able to have a normal relationship and understand your love? How will you ever take them through a process of healing so that they can relate to other people and not have this distorted, broken image of who they are? How will they ever be able to experience you? And I have seen something incredible happen throughout the years. Something that I cannot explain. Something that defies description. I've seen people experience the love of God. Begin to understand and let the love of God seep into their soul. And I've seen how the love of God has changed their identity, healed their soul, taken out a lot of that darkness. And now when they've been walking in the love of God for some time, five or six or seven years, you would look at that person and you would never know they were who they were before. You would never know the darkness that they've come out of because they have been washed and cleansed and renewed and empowered by this incredible thing called the love of God. So when John talks about the love of God, he's not talking about some theory. He's not talking about some classroom love of God. He doesn't sit down and say, well, the love of God. There are four words for love in the Greek. Agape, filio, eris. No, no, no. He doesn't go about it that way. When he thinks about the love of God, it's like an exclamation point. He says, wow, it's the equivalent of what we would say, amazing, awesome, wow. How great is the love the Father has lavished upon us. In the King James it says, behold, how great a love God has lavished upon us that we should be called children of God. There's an excitement there, an enthusiasm. He's talking about the love of God as something that he has personally experienced in his own soul. And so as he talks about the love of God, there's several things I want you to understand that this love does to you. In this passage, we're going to see it. There are signs that you are living in the love of God. And if you're not living in the love of God, how many of you know that God could love you, but you cannot ex but sometimes you don't walk in the experience of His love? Right. How many of you know that? You see, sometimes the love of God is being poured upon us, but we're not receiving that love. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love us. It means that you're not accepting or receiving that incredible love that God has for you. And so, 
When you are walking in that love and when you are receiving that love, when you are experiencing that love, you're going to see some evidence of it in your life. And John talks about four characteristics that, that can be seen in people that are walking in the love of God and experienced it. And the first characteristic is that when you're walking in God's love, you will be growing and changing to be more like Jesus. And notice what he says, how, verse 1, How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Now once in a while someone will say, well, we are all children of God. But that's not quite true. Technically, we are all God's creation. But we are not all God's children. Because the Bible is clear about that. God has created us, but not everybody has been born of God. You are only born of God when you are born again of God and then you are adopted as his child. And scriptures full of this talks about this all the time. John is overwhelmed by the thought of God loving us so much that he would actually call us his children. And not only does he call us his children, but look, look what he says, that we should be called children of God and that is what we are. He's not just calling us children. He's actually made us his children. The Father, I see it in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Second Corinthians 6.18 says, I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Referring to the Son, Jesus... In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 11, it says, He is not ashamed to call them brethren. Jesus, the firstborn among many brethren. Romans 8, 16 of the Spirit says, The Spirit, or the Holy Spirit, bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. So the Father calls us children. The Son calls us brothers. The Spirit bears witness to our spirit that we are children of God. John goes on to say, the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. The reason that the world does not recognize you as a child of God or does not recognize is that they did not recognize Jesus as the Son of God either. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, the man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. There are certain things that only a spiritual mind can understand and a mind that's in the flesh cannot understand. How many of you know that? Some of you say about a neighbor or friend or a husband or cousin or relative, I just don't know why they don't get it. I'm trying to tell them about Jesus and explain it. Why don't they get it? Well, let me tell you, it's not that intellectually they don't get it. It's that certain spiritual truths cannot be understood merely in the flesh. They are 
spiritually discerned. So therefore, your spirit has to be awakened by the Holy Spirit in order to understand spiritual truth. You can be extremely intelligent and have a very high IQ and be extremely spiritually dumb. Not because your IQ isn't high, but because your spirit is dead. And so therefore, because your spirit is dead, you're not perceptive to the spiritual world. I have seen some very illiterate, uneducated people that are extremely knowledgeable in spiritual things because their spirit is alive. And I've seen some very educated, intelligent, uh, well-distinguished people that are very obtuse spiritually and do not understand because they are not spiritually alive. You're listening to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job. More about the power of God's love in just a moment. But first, a quick reminder that Bold Steps is Pastor Mark's daily program. I'm wondering if you've heard it. You can go to moodypresents.org to find out more. Moody Presents. Also at the website, there are lots of helpful resources to help you experience God's love. Just click on resources right there at the top of the page. You can't miss it. All right, back to our program here on Moody Presents, our teacher, Dr. Mark Job. And so John tells them, hey, the world doesn't recognize you because it's spiritual. John 15 verse 18 says, Jesus said, If the world hates you, keep in mind that they hated me first. If you belong to the world, the world would love its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world. So what what John is saying is that you are children of God. And when you, when you understand that you're a child of God, you may be jumping for joy. I'm a child of God. Whoa, God lives inside of me. Man, the love of God has filled me. Whoa, it's incredible that I'm a child of God. And you walk out of this place, walk into your car and say, I'm a child of the Most High God. You drive through Portillo's, pick up and order up beef with extra gravy on it the person comes away to you hi sir what would you like and you say you know i want a good beef today i'm so happy i'm a child of god and they look at you like okay this nutcase here they don't understand it you may feel like hey the world will not understand the excitement and the power of you being a child of God. They don't understand the fact that God is inside of you, that you've been washed by the by, by His incredible love. They don't understand that the world could be falling apart, but you feel content inside because you have this incredible love of God inside of you. It feels foolishness to them. They cannot understand it because they have not experienced it yet. And John says, dear friends, now we are the children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known. What John says is that you currently are a child of God. It's not a future thing. You are a child of God now. How did you become a child of God? Well, when you were born as a child, as a baby, That little naked baby that came out, you were a creation of God. In John chapter 3, it talks about the second birth. 
uh, Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, a very intelligent, astute, spiritual man. And he said to, to Nicodemus, unless a man is born, what? Again, he cannot enter the kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, although he was very intelligent spiritually, did not understand the, the spiritual picture that Jesus was painting. And he, in his mind, he said, how can I, being old, get back into my mother's womb? And Jesus was saying, no, you missed the point completely. What is born of flesh is flesh. What is born of spirit is spirit. There was a point in time where you were born in the flesh and became a, you were that child, that baby that was born. But you also had a nature inside of you that was given to you through the seed of Adam. Every child that's born from the beginning of creation through Adam has been given a nature, a fallen nature, a sinful nature. It's passed down through the seed of man. So every child since Adam has inherited a sinful nature. It doesn't mean that that sinful nature, every baby that's born, no matter how cute it is, is still has a sinful nature. You say, Pastor, you can't tell me this little baby has a sinful nature. Yeah, it looks cute, but it has one. <laughs> now, it doesn't mean it's sinned because a baby doesn't have the capacity to sin. But it does mean that it has the predisposition when it's old enough, it will sin. Because it has a sin nature. That is why Jesus, by the way, I've talked to you about this before, but that's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. He was born of the Virgin Mary because there was no seed of man implanted in Mary to give Jesus a sin nature. Jesus was born of a virgin because he could not have the sin nature planted in him so God bypassed the natural reproductive process and made Mary impregnated without the help of man so that when Jesus was born he was the first man since Adam to not be born with a sin nature but all of us sons of Adam we have a sin nature now the only way that we are able to be given a divine nature or God nature is that we have to be born of God or born again. And so what John tells us here is that when we receive that new nature, then we are children of God. We receive it through faith and we'll talk about it in a minute, but we receive it through faith and we receive the divine nature. Second Peter talks about the divine nature that's planted in us. And that divine nature is the nature of God. And so as you start growing now, the sin nature causes you to become sinful. The divine nature causes you to become God-like. Are you tracking with me? So the divine nature inside of you, the divine seed of God inside of you, causes you to grow up to be like daddy, your father. The sin nature inside of you causes you to grow up in a sinful way. You have a predisposition, an inclination to go your own way. The moment that you are born again, there is something inside of you that makes you want to be like Jesus. There's a nature inside of you that is 
forming you, pushing you, convicting you, guiding you, leading you to become more and more transformed into the image of Jesus. Now, you may look at your life right now and say, I'm nothing like Jesus. I am so far from who Jesus is. But it's not just about where you're at. It's about what the nature inside of you is pulling you to. You may be far from Jesus now, but hopefully you're growing from glory to 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 glory, becoming more like Jesus. And what John says is, right now you look at yourself and you say, I don't look anything like Jesus because you're just a baby and you haven't been formed. But the more you grow in God, hopefully, if you're growing healthy in God, you'll start to look and talk and walk and think more like Jesus as you grow. And hopefully you are becoming more and more like Jesus. But the Bible says you can't really tell what we're going to be like fully yet. But when Jesus appears and we finally see him as he is, then in, an, in a moment, in an instant, in a light transformation moment, you will be like him. Well, have you ever had guests that are coming? Maybe it was your mother-in-law and she'd never been to your house and they're arriving from a long trip and they're supposed to arrive at one o'clock, but they're not there. Your kids are in the house and they're kind of making a mess and you say, clean it up because they're coming. Okay, I don't make a big mess. And two o'clock, they're still not there and you, still, you keep straightening things up because why? Because the in-laws are coming and they've never seen our house and by five o'clock, you're still cleaning up more than usual because you have the expectation that you're going to see them quickly. And so that expectation causes you to clean house and to keep the house in order because there's an expectation that I'm going to see them soon. When you have the expectation that you will see Jesus, the expectation that you will stand before God. And by the way, some of you are kicking back saying, well, you know, I'm studying prophecy and we still have time, I think, because the temple has to be rebuilt and this has got to happen and that's got to happen. Listen, maybe all the prophecies not fulfilled, but let me tell you, you could die of a heart attack tomorrow. There's none of us here that can be guaranteed that we may not be standing in the presence of God tomorrow. None of us here guaranteed that. Oh, you may feel like you're healthy. You may feel like you're strong. But there is no one that's guaranteed tomorrow. How about it? So when you have that expectation that I'm going to stand before God, and it could be at any moment. It could be tomorrow, it could be a year from now, it could be a month from now, but I have this expectation that I will stand before God and it could be soon. That hope and that expectation causes you to purify yourself and you, you deal with things rapidly, you cleanse yourself rapidly, you don't tolerate sin in your life for a long time. Why? Because you have this hope that keeps purifying you, knowing that the love of God has made you a child of God, and therefore you're going to stand before God and be like Him, and it's that love and that hope that causes you to walk in purity. The second thing that 
John says the love of God does in our life is that the love of God, when we have experienced the love of God and we have tasted of it and seen of it and become a child of His through His incredible love, then that love, that love of God, it causes us to, well, to not be dominated by sin. The love of God starts to drive the sin pattern out of your life. John says everyone who sins breaks the law. What law is he talking about? Well, he's talking about the moral laws of God. Illustrated in the Mosaic law, in Christ's law, and in some of the natural laws that are given to us uh, just through nature itself. So, sin, in essence, is lawlessness. It's the defiling and breaking of the law. The seed of God inside of you will break the pattern of sin. The powerful love of Jesus. Our focus today on Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job. You know, Bible teaching is important as you and I live in contrast with the world. It centers us, it humbles us, and of course it guides us. Hey, would you help us continue to produce this program so that others can know Jesus better? It starts with your gift at moodypresents.org. Maybe you'd like to think about becoming a Moody Presents partner, and you'll enjoy a 50% discount from the entire Moody Publishers line of books and Bible studies and DVDs when you give at a level of $30 a month or more. Click on that monthly partner option when you visit moodypresents.org. Next week, we're going to pick up with the second half of this message, The Power of God's Love, from 1 John chapter 3. I'm John Gager. Thanks for joining us today for Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.